to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Happy Travel New Year, squaddies. Happy Happy New Year. Welcome to episode 118 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're going to go over the top international places to visit by month here in the year 2022. We've all been lacking a little bit over the last two years in our travel. Well, maybe not us so much, but the world in general kind of lacking. But we're going to make up for it this year with travel recommendations for where to go outside of the U.S. for every single month of the year. We're talking the best weather, the most optimal visiting experience for each month. We're not only going to tell you what country to go to, but we're going to say what destinations to visit while you're there. Yeah. And so like we said earlier, it's the new year. We have a whole fresh year of travel ahead of us. And I'm super excited to talk about these destinations as we haven't done many international episodes due to the lack of international travel that we've experienced over the last two years. But I'm so excited because we actually leave for Morocco in two weeks and we're so excited to travel internationally. But for now, we're going to reminisce and share these international locations. And we're so excited to get them started. Yeah, I hope we really inspire you guys with this. I know this one here is airing the first couple days here of January. So if you're feeling really motivated, book this January one. And I feel like we should get right into it. And I'm just going to say it. January, the squad here is recommending the Philippines. Ooh, I've been dying to go there since you went on trips when we were back in high school. Yeah, you know, my mom is Filipino and she has taken my family and Jamal to the Philippines several times. And it's, I feel like such an underrated location to visit. It's beautiful most of the year and it's super cheap. So your dollar goes a really long way. I remember when you were there on one of your more recent trips, Trips, you texted me and you said, just got a massage, I think for like $6. Mm-hmm. And then I tipped $4. So it was $10 <laughs> for an hour full body massage. Nice. Well, don't we have January 2023 as the squad to the Philippines? I feel like we mentioned it and I don't know if we're there Lebanon 2020 vibes like we were been doing since 2017 uh, (laughs) and we made it happen. So we need to be really hard on that Philippines January 2023 for the squad for it and manifest it. January 2023 squad trip. Yeah, Philippines. Philippines. I'm excited about it. But as we are talking about it and coordinating our own squad plan, Brittany, tell our listeners why they need to go to the Philippines in January. So the Philippines is known as a country with 100 islands because there's so many different islands to visit. And we've gone to a few of them, one of them being Boracay. And Boracay is definitely like resort life. Like that's what you Mm. go there to enjoy. Filled with beaches. You can walk from one side of the island to the other because it's a very thin island. But the beaches are pristine white sand beaches. You can rent a boat and like island hop and just 
just go snorkeling any day that you want to. Great food on the island as well. And I actually woke Jamal up one day at like 4 or 5 a.m. for the most beautiful sunrise we've ever seen. <laughs> it was really nice. You know, we were staying at a resort on the west side of the island. But where does the sun rise? On the east side. So we had to wake up, go from a resort on the west side, walk all the way across to the east side. And it's small enough to do it. Granted, it was a longer walk, maybe 30 minutes, but definitely capable to do it. Wait, but wait, wait. It was 30 minutes to walk from the west side to the east side? Uh-huh. Oh. So not too bad at all. But what, you say, oh, does that sound like a little too long for no, you? No, it's okay. extremely short. The Ex- entire other side of the island is a 30-minute walk away. Absolutely. It's a thin island. I see. It's very, very thin. And so... So could you see the sunrise, though, from the west side then, since it's not that far? Well, you could, but not over the water, Kim. Oh. So the whole point was to see it rise <laughs> from over the water. Maybe if you were in a rooftop bar? Maybe, but, you know, I didn't think they had rooftop bars vibes going on. <laughs> But what you got to do is you got to walk, if you're staying on the west side like we did, you got to walk to the east side, watch the sunrise on the beach, and then maybe when sun sets, walk over to the west side, go to a rooftop bar, Mm. and then watch the sunset over the water. It's a really cool island because, yeah, you can do that. I'm going to watch sunrise, and I'm going to watch sunset over the water in the same place in the same day. I mean, it's really unique in that sense. But Boracay is famous for the snorkeling, the clear blue crystal waters, and I don't know what its current ranking is, but for the last literally decade, it's ranked one of the top five white sand beach places in the world to go. Like Boracay, Philippines is world renowned for beach life. And Jamal says it like a white person. It's called Boracay. (laughs) (laughs) There's that Filipina accent. That's what my mom told me. But before we get to some of the other islands and places that you should go in the Philippines in January, why we're recommending January is it's not rainy season and this is when it's not really hot or humid either. I mean, we're talking literal islands in the Pacific. If anybody knows anything, you could imagine it's going to be humid and hot, but January is the perfect time weather-wise, and you are not there during rainy season or typhoon season for that matter. So Mm. good time in January. Yeah, we've gone in June before, and we flew through a typhoon. It was probably the scariest thing we've ever done. No exaggeration, we almost died uh, on that (laughs) plane flight. I think even the flight attendants yelped when our plane dropped from the sky before it re-caught itself. Was it worse than the turbulence coming back from Dubai? Uh, Um, The turbulence was bad on that flight. That turbulence coming from Dubai was worse, but we didn't have a major drop. Like literally on that flight through the typhoon when we were there in the month of June one time, like literally we had a drop that everyone on the plane screamed thinking we were actually going down. Luckily, we did not as we are here today for you guys to know (laughs) that. But let's talk about another awesome place to go in the Philippines, Palawan. Palawan. Palawan, as Brittany says. (laughs) Palawan. This island is just absolutely amazing. There's many different things that you can do there. The capital and main place that you're obviously going to fly into is Puerto Princesa. And what do they have in Puerto Princesa, Brittany? There's a lot to do in Puerto Princesa. It's a hot spot, but they have this huge bay called Honda Bay. It's really, really great for snorkeling. We've done some snorkeling there. We saw some huge clams while we were snorkeling. Oh, are they swimming or are they on the floor? They're on the floor. Clams are in the shell, Kim. (laughs) Are they swimming? That just cracks me up. I've never seen a clam like in the ocean. They're in a shell, almost kind of like an oyster. So they're not out there swimming. They're like anchored (laughs) to rocks. Okay. 
So really good snorkeling in Honda Bay. Also, Puerto Princesa is known to be like a hub for a place called the Underground River, which is super, super, super amazing. It's this river that goes into a cave and goes miles and miles deep. And you can actually book a tour, rent a guide, and they will canoe you into the cave. And it's pitch black in there and they'll bring a light and you'll see all of these beautiful stalagmites and stalactites and all of these beautiful structures. We've done it more than one time. The first time the guide just talked out loud, but this last time that we went, they actually had earbuds that you put in so that you protect the natural ecosystem and not disturb like the bats that live in the cave. And so they tell you all about the cave and they point out features and structures and the guide puts his light on them so you can see them. It's actually really cool. I mean, it's super, super unique. I think it was voted a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Is it not, Brittany? Yeah, I believe so. Ooh, I think we should do an episode on UNESCO World Heritage Site. That we've been to. We've been to quite a few of them. And they're amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Underground River in Puerto Princesa is one of them. And just picture this. I mean, it's on an island. Obviously, all of the Philippines are on islands. But what I mean from that is you're on one of the main islands. You have to take a boat to a very much smaller island, which is very tropical, lush, jungle vibes. I mean, there's big monitor lizards and sometimes even even monkeys Monkeys. out there that you can see. And then you get in the canoe and then you go into a cave on the island. But that cave that has the river is then flowing into the ocean. So you board the canoe in like an estuary of the ocean and this tropical place. And then you just sail in. I mean, really, really unique experience. Super awesome. So this is actually where we went, where Jamal had to get off a boat and a rogue wave hit him. Ooh. Yeah, this is when I got out of the boat and the rogue wave hit me. The infamous wave (laughs) where it crashed you onto the shore and you were there like a... And his phone didn't work. Yeah, a few months after having to buy a new phone (laughs) because my phone got stolen from me in Mexico City, it got ruined by the rogue wave as I was getting out. It washed me ashore quite literally (laughs) and I was sitting there soaking wet. That was the second time that we've done this. I mean, that's how awesome it is. We've been to the Philippines multiple times. We did this one twice. Really cool. But on your way to or from the Underground River and when you head back to Puerto Princesa, there's an experience called the Yugong Rock Adventures and you can actually rappel and spelunk and then zip line from the top down to the bottom. Hmm. Really, really fun and capping off Palawan because I feel like we've spent quite a bit of time here on the Philippines, but that's how awesome it is and how psyched we are about it is a place north on the island called El Nido. El Nido became famous because I think one of the famous boat chase scenes in the Born Identity or part of the series was filmed out here. And so this is a really great place to do some island hopping, again, more snorkeling, sandbar action, and lots of lots of caves. So this is a unique place. It's starting to become really more commercialized now, but when we went last time, it was at the start of it. Like people knew of it, but it's still building itself up to be super commercialized. So get there soon before it's too crazy, but really awesome out there. I follow the hashtag for El Nido on Instagram and the crystal clear blue waters and all of Philippines pops up on it. And it's just so beautiful. I cannot wait for January 2023 to take this trip. But in the meantime, squatties, if you're interested in learning more about the Philippines, we do have a whole episode on it. You can go back to episode 54. and We go into so much detail on all of these places. My gosh, I mean, we're on 118 episode 54. I almost forgot we had a Philippine episode and I feel bad saying that. But yeah, go back and listen. We talk way, way more in depth about it. And yeah, Squad Trip 2023, super excited for the Philippines again. 
Getting into February, the place that we're recommending is Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. We actually went here, not in February, went in January, but we would recommend February because the weather is absolutely perfect. It can be really, really hot there, and the weather in February is pretty good. It's about, you know, high 70s, low of 60s. Fairly nice. And that should be what the weather is in January, quite honestly. There's not really too much of a difference. But interestingly enough, when we were there, we did the water park at the Atlantis Palm. And for whatever reason, the day that we had the free time to do the water park, it was a little bit chilly. So Mm -hmm. I think February will warm up a little bit and keep you from having that happen. Nonetheless, still good weather in that time frame. But yeah, February would be rock solid to go because I would hate to be out there when it's 100 plus degrees. And it definitely will do that. Yeah, so the nights and mornings are a little chilly, and so you might want like a light sweater. But during the daytime, you really don't need a jacket at all because weather is great. And if you go, we went all out and we stayed at the Atlantis Resort. Highly, highly, highly recommended it. We loved our stay. It's a beautiful, beautiful resort. You really don't even have to leave it if you don't want to. They have the water park like they mentioned. Oh my God, we have some of the best footage of us going down those water <laughs> That was so fun. It was so much fun. And it's free if you stay there. Yes. They also have an aquarium within the resort itself. You can actually see it as you're going through some of the shops and some of the main areas. But they also have this restaurant called Oceano. And the restaurant has the aquarium inside of it. And so the whole front wall of the restaurant is just the aquarium. So you have this beautiful view the whole time. I mean, you're pretty much dining underwater and it's fine dining. It really creates Mm -hmm. this awesome ambiance in a place like Dubai that's pretty much Vegas without gambling. It's just real showy and opulence on steroids. You do want to splurge and do these type of things out there. So I'd highly recommend going out there to Atlantis. But beyond that, there's lots of stuff to do. We did the sunrise camel tour with breakfast. That was so cool. Oh yeah. I mean, you go out into the desert, you ride a camel at dawn and well even just getting to the desert location like we were four-wheeling over the the sand and the SE sand dunes oh yeah <laughs> and then they had the tent set up breakfast everything so that was a really really fun experience to do and then just the metropolis that is dubai i mean they have the world's tallest building one of my biggest regrets is that we did not go up all the way to the top when we were there i would like to do that I think in hindsight at the time, we were just like, I don't really want to pay that much to go all the way to the top. Yeah, it was like $80 or more. Mm. I know, just to go to the top, I think we should. And Kim, I'm going to say this, maybe this will change your mind about going back there. Not that you said you haven't wanted to, but I know we said, I feel like we got enough to do there in those yeah, three days we were that we were there. Yeah, only there two days. I think two they nights. have a high tea experience in there. Oh, okay. And the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world. If it's not there, it's at the Burj Al Arab, which is, they say, the only seven-star hotel in the world. And unless you're actually staying in that resort, you can't get there. We tried to go in there. They wouldn't let us because we (laughs) weren't staying there. But I would love to go experience that. It's fun to just see the opulence that is the city of Dubai. Yeah, that hotel that you were just talking about, you have a butler at your service. All hotel rooms have the butler. So, I mean, that's the type of price that you're going to be paying for that. I think it was around $1,500 a night, right? The lowest price one. At a minimum, yes. 
Wow. Yeah. And we met up with your cousin there, Jamal, in Dubai. Yes. As you guys may know, my dad is originally Lebanese, so I'm Lebanese by descent. I have cousins who still live over in the Middle East and work and live in Dubai. So we did meet up with my cousin, which was really, really fun to do. And, you know, it was definitely a fun city. And a lot of people really, really hype it up. And I think unless you're really going to go and spend a lot of money, yes, you can have a lot of fun. I don't want to say we were being cheap or anything like that because we really weren't but it's fun to see. But if you're not going to be spending a ton of money with the opulence, you only need a couple days there. Yeah, I would hardly say a $300 dinner is being cheap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said I wouldn't say we were being cheap, but I mean, people who are over there have yes. oil money and these we're talking like millionaires and billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was crazy to see the women dressed in the I'm not sure exactly what they're called, but the dress wear with the face coverings and they're just wearing like designer purses and Louis Vuitton heels. It was so funny. But squad tip for you for Dubai. Dress conservatively. There is no drinking in public places, but what you can do is smoke hookah on the boardwalk, looking out to all of the yachts and the skyscrapers, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So in public, you do want to be a little bit more modest out of respect. And what I mean by that is like no tank tops, like super short skirts for women. But when you are at the resorts, there is the drinking. They have lots of beaches so you can feel free to wear like a bikini and stuff. And it doesn't really matter. But when you're out like in public outside of the resort areas, you do want to just adhere to the local traditions and be respectful in that sense. Moving into March, the spring season, we're taking you to Cuba. I have been here. Brittany and Jamal haven't, but I know you guys would love it there. It's really fun. I really want to go to Cuba. I'd be really excited to go. You went with OG squad member Zena, my sister. You guys had a really, really good time out there. And every time I hear about it, I just think about how awesome of a party time you had out there. Yes, it's definitely a place to enjoy yourself. The reggaeton music is everywhere. There's, you know, in March specifically, the weather is pretty good. You might catch some rainstorms that come in, but that's the Caribbean for you. But you're going to skip out largely on that super humid, hot weather. But it's still warm enough to go swimming in the ocean, wear shorts, wear dresses, so a couple places that I would recommend you go. Obviously, Havana is the main city in Cuba. It's where the flights come into. So you're going to spend time there. Old Havana is beautiful. You definitely check out this colonial architecture there. And then there's a couple other places, but the only other place that I went was Trinidad. Beautiful beaches, amazing people. But what really is the draw here is the cave nightclub. The one you got licked in. Oh my gosh. Me and Zayna both got licked by this Cuban man. By the same guy, right? <laughs> he was hitting on you <laughs> he both. He probably licked a lot of women that night. <laughs> but anyway, this cave is so big. I mean, thousands of people can fit in it. And it is a nightclub that rages till, I don't even think it closes, but we left around 5 a.m. and it was still going strong. But Cuba is also really known for its Cuban cigars, pina coladas, dancing, its culture. The people are so nice. Beaches and American classic cars. Where else in the world can you go and see American classic cars everywhere on the roads still? Yeah, that is pretty unique. And I've seen some of your pictures. Beautiful, too. The cars are pristine. Not all of them are, but a lot of them have been restored. Aren't the buildings really colorful also, like whitewashed with pink and other bright colors and things of that nature? A lot of them are, yeah. And they're also just really beautiful, like colonial style architecture. But we have a whole episode on this. Episode seven, way, way back. Real early God. episode. Yeah, seven? with 
I know, that's crazy. And Zana's on that one. And we go all into detail, all the parties, all the fun, all the adventures. Cuba is definitely a place you need to do your research on. You can't use your internet, you can't use American money, and you can't even trade American money there. So go back and listen to that episode if you're trying to go. So for April, we definitely recommend that you head on over to Japan. Kim hasn't been, but Jamal and I spent two weeks in Japan, and we recommend April because it's the start of cherry blossom season. Yes, Mm -hmm. and we're recommending April for you guys because of the cherry blossom season, the good weather. But we have to be honest with you guys. When Brittany and I did go, we did go in January, so it was colder. We missed out on cherry blossom season. I tell her all the time that I want to go to Japan again because I loved it so much, but I want to go for cherry blossom season. We have two episodes all about Japan, episodes 42 and 43. So for more information, go back and listen to that. But before we get into the things to do and places to go, cherry blossom season, I really want to go. I know I said that already, but I'm stressing it again. I really want to go for that. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, so we went to a few different places in the two weeks that we were there. Of course, we went to Tokyo, which is you know obviously a huge metropolis, but they have so many things to do. We went to one of the unique cafes, and we decided to pick a hedgehog cafe. Oh, how cute. Yeah, so Brittany says unique cafes. I mean, it's a cultural thing in Japan that they have places to go. You can get drinks and play with animals. What they, other kind of cafes did they have? I mean, cat, cat cafes. cafes. Uh-huh. Owl cafes. Wait, owl? Owl. Yeah. You want to play with a bird? Yeah, go to the <laughs> owl cafe that they have out there. Corgi cafe. Corgis, yes. We did the hedgehog one. So we were playing with these small little tiny hedgehogs in our hand, feeding them little grub worms and things like that. <laughs> and it was really, really fun, really unique experience. But you could do all sorts of that crazy stuff. But even just exploring the metropolis that is Tokyo, we went to the top of Tokyo Tower, which almost looks like a replica of the Eiffel Tower. Obviously, it's like painted a bright like red or orange, and it's really an antenna tower that they have for some of their national broadcasting, but it gives you amazing 360-degree views of Tokyo all around. And on a clear day, which we were up at the top on a clear day, we saw all the way to Mount Fuji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a day trip with Viator to Mount Fuji. We also went to the Imperial Palace. And most importantly in Tokyo, we went to Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. Disney Sea. Disney Sea. Tokyo Disney Sea is ranked the best themed Disney park in the world, mind you. And how did you think it measured uh, up? It was exceptional, Kim. It <laughs> was exceptional. I loved it so, so much. And I mean, I really Disney geeked out in the episode 42 that we talked about Tokyo and we talked about Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland for that matter, but really, really loved it out there. Did Disneyland have bidets in the bathrooms? I want to say yes. I'm really trying to remember. I think they did. And I'm glad you brought this up because can we have a Travel Squad episode (laughs) without talking about the bathroom situation? The bathrooms in Japan are the best bathrooms I've ever been into in my life. And I'm just going to say it right now. I don't know what episode it is, but it is coming up. We're talking about best and worst bathroom experiences. We're going to have a complete episode on it. No, it sounds crazy, but it's going (laughs) to be bomb and fire. And Japan's going to be on there and we're repping it hard. So very passionate about the bathrooms. It is, it is awesome. And I'm trying to get our listeners and squaddies 
passionate about that upcoming episode. Yeah, so definitely subscribe so you don't miss that episode for sure. That's going to be a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But we went to so many other places in Japan. We went to Kyoto and we went to the famous bamboo grove and monkey park there. And they have the famous golden temple that's surrounded by water. So a lot of really beautiful shrines and temples in the area. We also went to Nara where they have the famous deer that like bow down to you. And kind of butt you with their heads on your you know, butt. It could be a little aggressive at times if you have food. <laughs> Brittany almost ate shit. Like literally, if you imagine a football player ramming another football player, that's what the deer did to Brittany. It rammed her straight in the ass and she almost fell over. I wish I had a camera for that moment, but it lives in my head rent free. I'm telling you, like, I just re- really remember her flying through the air and she caught her balance and landed, no doubt. But uh, it could have very easily been a spill and roll situation. Wow. Uh, how bad it hit her because she turned herself away and did not feed that deer or didn't feed it enough to its liking. (laughs) But minus the aggressiveness, they really are truly gentle. You can pet them, feed them. Super, super fun experience in Nara. We also went to Hiroshima. We saw the Peace Park where the atomic bomb site was on a more serious subject. And then from there, we actually took a train to Miyajima Island, which has the famous floating shrine, which is on most of the Japanese bucket lists. You said a train. I think you meant a boat, Brittany, because it's an island. True. We did take a train first, then a boat, then made it onto the island. Quite the trek. It really is. And obviously, forgive our pronunciation on it, but just Google floating shrine in Japan and you'll see the image. And I guarantee you've probably seen it before. And one of my favorite places that we went to in Japan, it's hard to really pick a favorite because I loved everywhere that we went. But if you're a real foodie, you're going to enjoy Osaka. And when we went to Osaka, we ate the best food that we ate in all of Japan when we were here. And I would definitely recommend it simply for the food tasting. Yeah, it sounds like a really epic trip. Minus the cold, I'm kind of sad I wasn't there, but we have two episodes on this. We said 42 and 43. They're both really good, but 42 is so funny. It's one of my favorite episodes, so definitely go back and listen to it because there is a ton of detail there. Whenever I listen to it, I always still get a good laugh. And Kim, if we win in April, as we're suggesting to our squatties, you probably would have enjoyed it. You were intimidated by the cold Mm -hmm. in January, but Brittany and I can handle it. But for most people who are probably in your like mindset, that's why we say April and cherry blossom season. I'm going to say it again, cherry blossoms. (laughs) Yes, I'm all for that. Hey travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk all about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries, one week in Kauai, an American Southwest weekend or road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks, a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks, Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks. We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 page PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, and driving distance between attractions. Plus what things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, and their mileage, and the time to allow for each one, and so much more. We have story highlights on our Instagram, at Travel Squad Podcast, where you can see the full guides. We've done all of the research and have taken these exact trips, taking all 
all of the guesswork from the planning. So all that you have to do is show up and have fun. Purchase your comprehensive Travel Squad podcast itinerary on our website at travelsquadpodcast.com. Best of all, they're on sale right now for $30. So travel on over and get yours today. In May, we're recommending China. And we're recommending this because we actually took a squad trip to China in May. God, what year was that? 2017? Yep, 2017. So it's been a while, but China blew us away. It was amazing. And May was the perfect time to go. When we were telling people, you know, we're going on a trip to China, people were like, why China? And, you know, it kind of set my expectations a little low. I knew I was going to have fun regardless, but my expectations weren't super high. And it was never on my like bucket, bucket list, list of places. And then we went and I was like, oh my God, every single day was amazing. We had a great time. The food was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. And we went on this shout out gate one, favorite gate one. So it was a guided tour. And why we're recommending it in May is obviously earlier months can definitely be colder out there. And then even when we were there in May, it was starting to get hot and we were advised by our tour guide. Yes, you're here in June, July. It's definitely going to be warm, hot, not very comfortable. So May is really, truly that perfect time for you to go. We went to three places when we were there, and these are three solid places to visit if you go. I mean, China is huge. You could spend months there and not even see it all. But if you go, Beijing, Xi'an, and Shanghai, you definitely have to see. Yes, and Beijing, if you're familiar, is the capital of China. You can see the Great Wall. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, where can you see one of the wonders of the world, which is the Great Wall? Crazy. Amazing. And we got to hike it. No easy days for us, ladies, right? And I did want to say, I was thinking the Great Wall, you know, you see these pictures of it being filled with people, so crowded, and that's what I was expecting. Nobody was on the Great Wall in the place that we were at. Yeah, that was really nice. I really enjoyed that aspect of it too, because I hate going to really popular places and then having it being really crowded. It really pulls away from the experience itself. And I feel like in a way, you're right, we almost had it all to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's because we chose the hard side to hike and everybody in the crowds (laughs) were on the easy side to the other side. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. So go go with the easy day. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also went to the zoo out there and we saw the pandas, which are native Aww. to China. That was really fun. The Imperial Palace and Tiananmen Square. So really lots of history and crazy classical architecture to see when in Beijing, plus with the modern metropolis that it is. Mm-hmm. And from Beijing, we went to Xi'an and we saw the terracotta soldiers. If you guys don't know what that is, look it up. Super impressive. Huge piece of history there. I was so impressed being able to see all of the terracotta soldiers standing in lines and lines and how much excavating they've done and like how much detail was put into them as well. And to know how much excavating still needs to be done. Mm -hmm. I think they've explored like three out of 17 pits. Yeah, I think they said within the last, what is it, 50 or 60 years they've discovered it. And supposedly it's a tomb for one of the old emperors of China. So every soldier that is guarding the tomb that's lined up that Brittany's talking about looks unique. It is designed to be that exact person and soldier who was guarding that emperor, different looking horses and their carriages. I mean, it is crazy. And you're right. They've barely scratched the surface on really what can be excavated out there. But what you see is very, very impressive. One of the coolest things we did in Xi'an too, aside from cultural things, was we went to this park. Gate One took us there in the mornings. This is where the seniors, the Chinese seniors will go in the mornings and do Tai Chi. They'll play hacky sack. 
They'll sing and just do like small exercises because I guess, which is really cool, the retirement age is 50 in Love China. <laughs> yeah. So we actually went and got to dance with them. It was almost like they were putting a performance on for us and we were part of it. They had a whole orchestra there and sang us songs. They called us up to the front and sang us songs. Yeah, that was super cool. But what's also really funny about this cultural park, this outdoor park, is when the retired people go there, they go there to gossip about their families and hook people up in their family. Like, my granddaughter is looking for a husband. And like, you know, <laughs> they, they do all of their gossiping and like matchmaking at the park. If too. only my grandma could find me a husband. <laughs> if only, right? But of all the cities that we experienced in China, I think I could say without a doubt, our favorite was Shanghai. It's a very modern metropolis, has its old colonial history with it just as well. But we did so many amazing things. One of my favorite things that we did on the entire trip in China was do the Bund Night River Cruise, Ooh. which we're riding the river that runs along Shanghai. And you just get to see all the modern buildings lit up at night, all the different colors. I mean, wow. I mean, what a unique, awesome experience that was. I, I truly will never really forget that one. I enjoyed that a lot. The buildings look like Jetsons 3030 futuristic mm -hmm. so cool I love it you're not even keeping it in the 20th century you're already in the 30th <laughs> century over there yeah I mean but you're right they are crazy looking buildings just super wild out there but we did so much in Shanghai, you know, Jamal said the river cruise. We also went to an acrobat show, which was very mm -hmm. impressive. We went to a bazaar where we got to like negotiate for a fake Michael Kors person. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go buy all your ripoff China gear. Uh, I mean, I hate fun. to say it in that sense, but the truth is it's the reality. We went to the bazaar where you can get all that stuff. And it was a fun experience. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, just be careful. I had Chinese ladies pulling my arm into back rooms as I got separated from everyone. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a free day in Shanghai and we all went to Shanghai Disneyland, which I have to say is the best Disney oh, park yes. in the world. It was so much fun. We had such a great time. We also met another couple on this trip. Shout out to Cash and Ryan. They went to Disneyland as well. They were on the same page with us. Like that was their plan to do as well. We had a great time together. Yes. China is where we met our honorary squaddies, Kasha and Ryan. So a really fun trip all around and May perfect time to go to China. If you want to hear all about China, we break it down in episode three. Wow. Three. That was one of the very first ones. All right, squaddies. So we're halfway through the year here now. We're moving on to June. And our recommendation for you guys is going to be Peru. Lots of things to do in Peru, but specifically we're talking this is the perfect time to go to Machu Picchu. Let's not kid ourselves, right, ladies? Mm-hmm. We went in June, actually, when we hiked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, and it could not have been better weather. It didn't rain on us. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. It was absolutely perfect for a four-day, three-night trip. And so obviously you're going to see Machu Picchu. Maybe you're taking the train. Maybe you're doing the several-day hike to it, which I would recommend. But just in Cusco alone, there's tons of stuff to do, like the free walking tour. Oh. I would highly <laughs> recommend that. <laughs> and we did that right off of the Plaza de Armas. And you get to see a lot of cool things in the city. Like at one point, he took us up to like a rooftop of some sort and you got to see the whole Cusco Valley. It was so beautiful. Cusco is actually in the shape of a puma. Yes. yes. So the city itself originally was designed to be in the shape of a puma. 
So you learn a lot of history. And that's one thing I really like about walking tours because you can visit any location on your own, but you don't really learn about the history unless you have like a guide or someone there. And these free walking tours, a lot of them are, well, all of them are free. (laughs) And so they work off of tips. And so they want to make the experience as enjoyable for everyone as possible. And so they have a lot to offer on them. We got to feed some llamas. We Mm -hmm. went to a market where we got these amazing smoothies. Avocados. And avocados. It was a really great time. We also got drunk at the chocolate museum because it was pouring <laughs> chocolate core in our mouths and we had an easy day to Cristo Blanco. Yes, Cristo Blanco is almost like, if I'm going to give an equivalent, Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. So it's the version of Jesus Christ at the top of the hill, all in white. We made our hike up. Cusco is at such a high elevation that you almost get altitude sickness, and we got a little bit winded making our way up there. Mm -hmm. But Cusco, all around, real fun city to visit. And while you're there, you have to do a day trip to Rainbow Mountain. Oh, yes. That's even higher elevation than Cusco, but gorgeous. Like the stones that make up the mountain have naturally turned from the elements into these gorgeous colors of purples and pinks. And it looks like a rainbow mountain. Yeah, like greens, yellows, purples. And you can see the striations of the colors in it, but it's at an elevation of like 14 to 16,000 feet. So definitely be prepared for the high altitude. We were sold on this because we're like, no, we can't exert ourselves before we go to Machu Picchu. And they're like, no, 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 you can go ahead and get yourself some horses. They weren't horses. They were like donkeys or mules, not fit for our American sizes. It fit my size. Well, not, it didn't fit my size. It fit my and uh, every time we had to go uphill with it, which is when you would really want the horse, mule, mind you, <laughs> not really horse. Oh, you got to get off. It's too tough on it. So don't be fooled by that, but definitely worth the view and the sights. Absolutely beautiful. But the highlight, and again, why we say specifically in June, is if you are going to Machu Picchu, this is when the weather is perfect. There's always going to be rain. We got really lucky with none, but this is the least rainy time of the year to go. Not too hot, not too cold, and Machu Picchu was amazing. And if you want to hear more about Machu Picchu or the Inca Trail, we have two episodes on them. It's episode 10 and episode 16. So we're going to make our way to the United Kingdom in July. And Jamal and I have been to London. I know, Kim, it's high on your list. I am dying to go. And we recommend July because the UK and London is kind of a dreary place a lot of the year. And so in July, the highs are only the mid-70s, where a lot of places would be scorching in July. And there's so much to do in London. We spent three to four days there, and we saw Big Ben, Buckingham Palace, and we also went to the London Eye, which if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's a very large encapsulated Ferris wheel. Yeah, that's going to give you really the best views of downtown London, you know, Big Ben, Buckingham Palace, Parliament, all of that, all along the Thames River. So really ride the London Eye. Most people would think something like that is a tourist trap, and it really is, but the views it gives you are unparalleled. I am here for city Ferris wheels. Hello, Miami. Wasn't that view good? Uh, You were all about that. I will be on the London Eye when I go. And when we go to Vegas next time, Kim, I still can't believe you haven't ridden the high roller. The high roller. I will be there in the open bar cart. (laughs) But there's so much to do in London. Like we went to the Westminster Abbey. We saw them do the choral, which is like a choir, which was really, really nice to see. And Jamal arranged for us to do a double deck bus tour because, hey, it's London. And so that really gave us a really good overview of the city because we did that right when we got there, which was really nice. Um, And if anyone loves some history, Tower of London. That's where they house the crown jewels. Super cool to see. 
It's where a lot of people have actually been executed as well. And it was really unique and interesting to see. I have two questions. Okay. Number one, the main draw of London for me is the high tea. Where did you have high tea here? Claridge's which is a hotel, but they do have a very, very nice, elegant high tea experience. And for each course, they ask you which tea that you would like per course, and they have a recommendation. Ooh, so fancy. Claridge's is ranked one of the top five places to get tea in London for afternoon tea. I mean, Winston Churchill used to go here for it. Princess Diana used to go there for it. Kim, it was amazing. We've showed you photos. I'm not going to lie. You've taken a dump on it because they don't have the tiered trays that <laughs> That's you want. That's part of with the it. experience. Well, they bring everything out on this beautiful chinaware and trays. It's just not tiered, but it is unlimited, really good food. And unlimited. Yeah, I would highly, highly recommend Claridge's. It was an experience not to be missed if you're wanting to do high tea. We got double sandwiches because why not? I'm always so stuffed after just the tiered tray. <laughs> See how she mentions the tiered tray again. <laughs> but no, it was really fun. And we also did a day trip to Stonehenge also. So, I mean, the UK, really fun place to go. I'm excited to go back again. I really do want to go. But July would be the perfect time because, like Brittany said, normally kind of dreary throughout the year. But July, optimal weather. We're going to stay in Europe for August and recommend Slovenia. Yes. So Brittany and I had gone to Slovenia. It was one of the countries that we went to on another gate one tour when we did the Adriatic coast, which is along the Mediterranean. And my gosh, like Slovenia was one of the most beautiful and scenic countries that I've ever been to. There's so much to do there, so much to see in this small country, lots of different landscapes. But one of my favorite things that we did was go to the, and forgive me, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, the Posjano Caves, which is the largest show cave, I think, in Europe to see. And it's so deep that you actually have to take a train further into the cave till it gets to the point where you can see the stalagmites and stalactites. And then Mm. from there, you are free to roam around and experience. You know, I never really hear people say, you know, I'd love to go to Slovenia. Never. Never. Actually, I don't even think I'd ever heard of it until you guys went. And it's so underrated. We literally stayed at a hotel that was on Lake Bled. And we got there in the afternoon. We had dinner. And then at night, there was a little cafe along the lake. And we got coffee and dessert because they had these like famous cream cakes there. And you're looking out to the lake and the lake has an island in the middle. And on the cliffside, there's a castle and it's lit up at night and it's Mm. so beautiful. So I just feel like Slovenia is super underrated. Yeah. And that area along Lake Bled, I mean, just so beautiful for those surrounding features that Brittany had just mentioned. And the lake is large enough that you can actually take a horse-drawn carriage around it, but also small enough that if you wanted to do the walk yourself, you could in a decent amount of time but just scenic beauty all around out there and good food good scenic views and nature all around just beautiful yeah we even went to a national park out in slovenia as well and had a beautiful glacial lake which is the largest permanent lake in slovenia and you're surrounded by julian alps so it has so much scenic beauty as well 
Yeah, and then just another highlight, they do have the Bled Castle. So that's that castle that Brittany was talking about at the top of the cliff. It's 400 feet above, so you get these amazing views looking down onto the lake. And I mean, I just can't stress this enough. Like Slovenia is a country in Europe that most people probably don't even have on their radar. And I think it's absolutely perfect to go in August before it starts getting too cold into the winter right there because you're at the foothills of those Julian Alps and it will get cold and will snow. So we're actually staying in Europe for September as well, and we're headed to Italy. I love Italy. It's one of my favorite countries in this globe. In this globe. In this globe. <laughs> in this wide, wide world. You know, I'm jealous of your trip to Italy, Kim, because Brittany and I have only been to Italy once, actually to visit. We've been on a layover in Rome, but that doesn't really count because we didn't go out. And as a matter of fact, it's funny, when we were done in Slovenia on our tour, our flight was supposed to fly out of Venice, but we weren't supposed to spend time in Venice. So Brittany and I said, we're going to extend it and do a day in Venice. So that's really been our only experience. Fun, awesome place. But you have really all the details because you truly went all around. Yes. And I took my trip in April, but I would recommend September because it can be warmer and you can enjoy just like warm nights. Maybe if you're spending any time near the coast, it would be really nice to go swimming. So September is perfect. You don't want to go in August. They shut down for a couple of weeks. And so the, you know, restaurants, stores, that kind of thing will be closed. And September is the start of shoulder season. Yes. So, I mean, Europe, a lot of places, especially Italy, would be completely crowded during the summer. So you're at that end right Right there where it's not going to be too crowded and you could probably get good sales and deals on hotels. Yes. Now I would love to go back to Italy and visit more of the Southern country like Pazzitano, the whole Amalfi Coast. Really Ooh, to the Coast. Yes. Yes. But I didn't do any of that on this trip. However, I would still recommend these places. Some of the main places there, Rome, you have to see the Colosseum, but you guys know how much I love ancient ruins. Mm -hmm. uh, they get you, get you off. They really get going, me going. <laughs> the Colosseum is absolutely amazing, but that's not the only ruins you'll see there. You'll see it all over the city, everywhere you're walking. It's pretty cool. So you definitely have to hit up Rome. You have to go to Venice, which you two have also been to. I did not ride in the gondolas, but if I went back, I would. I would too. I'm not even going to lie to you, squatties. I was too cheap. I thought to myself, 100 euro. <laughs> I, yeah, I literally thought to myself, you're going to charge me 80 to 100 euros to ride in a gondola for 10 to 15 minutes. And when I was there, I thought to myself, that's just like ridiculous. I can't do it in good conscience. <laughs> and now that I'm back here and hadn't done that, it's one of those things like, yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, they're overcharging. But I mean, it is quintessential Venice to ride mm -hmm. in a gondola. And I regret not doing that. And I would have done it. But since I went in April, it was raining. And it wouldn't have made for a good gondola experience. If you go in September, definitely do it. The trick there, though, you can put more than two people in a gondola. So if you're with four people, that splits Cheaper. the cost. If you have two strangers that you meet and you become friends with, you can split the cost. Just outside of Venice, there's a little town called Barano that is completely lined with colorful homes. Every single home is pink, purple, blue, yellow, green. I would highly recommend taking a water taxi out there to see that, too. Oh, and then going back to Rome, definitely go to Vatican City. It's worth spending a day there, seeing it, the Sistine Chapel. It's its whole other country, quite honestly. Not a lot of people know that. You that's leave true. Rome and you walk into another country. The Vatican City is its own country. Technically, that's true. But in my mind, I'm just like, they're the same. Uh, it is, <laughs> but it's its own country. So you could get a twofer in that sense, Ooh, right? A twofer. We yeah, like twofers. Love them. 
you can spend some time in Florence. I would definitely recommend this as well. This is the wine region of Italy, castles, leather. Brittany, when are we going to go to Italy in September? What year? I don't know what year. Maybe 2023. 2023. Are you going to go back, Kim? Is it going to be a squad trip? Possibly. All right. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. I'm looking forward to it. We got January 2023 for Philippines and supposedly Italy 2023. I mean, I could eat pasta all day long. Caccia Pepe in Rome is where it comes from. You have to get it. It's so fucking good. Also in Rome, Rome just had really good food. I mean, everywhere it did. But the other amazing dish I had in Rome, gorgonzola stuffed gnocchi. Oh, that sounds so good. Mm. I love gorgonzola. And table wine for eight euros for a jug of wine. I was just about to say, you haven't said wine once yet. Wine, 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 wine. She saved the best (laughs) for last. Exactly. How can you go wrong with an eight euro jug of wine at the table? I know. You can't. It's amazing. All right, so we're moving on to October. In October, we recommend Mexico. And we have been all around Mexico. We've been to Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, Valle de Guadalupe, Tulum, Cozumel, Tijuana, Rosarito. Ensenada, Guanajuato, Mexicali, all over the place. So obviously certain times of the year, weather-wise, may be more conducive than other places, but you always have those coastal areas, whether we're talking Cabo or in Cancun, where for the most part, the weather's always going to be good during Cancun, that time of year. I would just say skip it during the summer because the humidity and the heat are really extreme. Yes, but what I mean by <laughs> beach weather, it's not going to be frigid or cold. But yes, no. I mean, I hate to experience the heat and humidity and definitely don't want to do that during summer and again that's why we're talking october out here october is the time to go and there's just so much to do you can eat 500 million tacos and still want more oh yeah (laughs) the nightlife is fun you can get anything in mexico you can have coastal you can have hot springs you can have mountains even mountains cenotes wine regions we have a few episodes on mexico because we've been several places Yeah, episode one, Mexico City. We have a Valle de Guadalupe episode, which is Mexico's wine region, almost their equivalent of Napa to the United States. And while we're on that, we actually have an upcoming trip to Valle de Guadalupe in March, and we're staying on a vineyard in this bubble hotel. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's like a bubble hotel in Valle de Guadalupe. We actually got the one with the hot tub in the back, and it's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to go. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're not really pinpointing one location in Mexico because Mexico is just an amazing country in general. So we're giving you all those highlights. Pick your poison. But October is definitely a good time to go. Yeah, we have another episode, too, called Five Places to Visit in Baja, California. That's episode 101. Kim actually just recently got back from a trip from Guanajuato. And we have an upcoming episode on that. I believe that's episode 125. You will want to hear that one. That is an artsy, colorful, theater, creative, dancing town. And the nightlife and the caves, like, it's so cool. Brittany's been talking about Guanajuato for like two, three years now for us to go. And in that time frame, you've already gone twice now. Yeah, it's an UNESCO site. We need to go. Mm-hmm. And I know you liked it enough that you would go again, right? I definitely would. And it's it's amazing. But I want to tell you, Squatties, if any of our Mexico episodes you go back to, go back to number one. Our very first episode is on Mexico City. We've been several other times since, but that is a good episode. And it will tell you all the fun things to do, the best highlights to see, the best bathroom in Mexico City. 
So you have to hear it. We always got to talk about the bathrooms. (laughs) And it was a good bathroom. It was. Although from what you ladies described, the female bathroom was better than the male bathroom. Mine was cool, but not as cool as how you ladies described that one. If you want to know what we're talking about, (laughs) go back and listen to that episode. And there's so many ways to visit Mexico. We've driven across the border. We've flown into Mexico. We've taken cruises. I have stopped in ports in Mexico. So you have tons of ways to get to Mexico. November, my birthday month. The place to visit is Thailand. Why November? Because of the weather. It's the perfect time of year for warmer season. It's not as rainy, but it's not as hot. And it's also technically their shoulder season just before it starts to get busy again for New Year's Eve. So it's the perfect time with crowds and prices. It's just amazing. Thailand is so fun. And I'm really glad I went in my 20s because it's also... Because we know Kim in her 30s. You couldn't hang, Kim. You couldn't hang. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm glad I went in my 20s because it's very much a place that caters to backpackers, to young people, to people doing gap years or, you know, digital nomad type life. I would love to go back and see how it's changed now that COVID kind of has disrupted how people work and all of that. But it's also a major party country. Every single place you go in Thailand, there will be ragers all night long. And you talked about cheap buckets of beer. Yes. I love myself buckets of beer. Not beer. A literal bucket of Red Bull vodka. Even better. (laughs) I love me some Red Bull vodka. For five bucks. Oh my God. (laughs) The prices are extremely low. We're talking massages earlier in Philippines. Same thing here. You can get a $6 Thai massage. I got one from a lady boy. (laughs) (laughs) You can get oil massages for six. Touch your nipples. Yes, I got that. Was my first breast massage ever. And how was it? I liked it. You liked it. They hold it up. It got a little close down south, but <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So definitely get the massage. I feel like we need to have another episode on <laughs> Thailand because you did talk about the full moon party in episode 37. Yes. But you did so much more in Thailand and you really haven't hit on that in any mm-hmm. of our episodes. So I definitely think we should go back and do a full Thailand episode. Which is why I was saying I'm glad I went in my 20s because the main attraction was the full moon party that happens once a month in Copenhagen. It's just an all-nighter, neon lights, literal flaming jump rope games, party on the beach. It's just so, so much fun. But I was there for 11 days and that was one of them. So I'm of the mindset of Brittany. I think we should have another episode on Thailand talking about more. However, I would ideally like to do that episode once Brittany and I go to yes, Thailand. Yes, you now, have to go. I'm going to be honest. Uh, we know this amongst ourselves. Maybe our squaddies here have picked this up. Certain places Kim likes to go by herself because she thinks Brittany and I aren't at her party level. That used to be the case in the 20s, not in the 30s, if I'm being honest. I think <laughs> me and Brittany can outdo Kim in her 30s. But I don't not, think so. But that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. I think if you're down to go back again, would you allow us to go with you and not think <laughs> that we're going to hold you back on the fun in Thailand, Kim, now that you're in your 30s? I would 100% honestly. go again. Yes. And I think you guys would also have fun because you don't have to rage all night. There's plenty of other things to do. I did an elephant sanctuary. We got to like swim with elephants and be around 30 elephants at once. We did beaches. They, they really cater to you too. So you can be laying on a day bed on the beach and they're just bringing you your drink and the water is warm and clear and they're gorgeous. You can go snorkeling, you can do day trips, you can play with monkeys. Like there's so much to do. There's so much culture. And I didn't go to the north of Bangkok into the more cultural jungle area. And I would love to see that too. 
So November all around for Thailand then. November 2024. 2024. We got to push it off. Yes, I agree with you on that one, but it'll be coming up and I really do want to do Thailand also. But closing out the year, my gosh, we gave you so many good recommendations from January through November. We're going to hit you with a solid one here for December. Maybe someone might say that this location that we're giving is a little cliche, but I don't think so because of the timing in which we're telling you to go here. And that is going to be to France. Now, most people, well, I don't know necessarily. I'm going off of Kim. Don't like the cold, so they may <laughs> not want to do Europe in the cold. But I will tell you this. If you go to France during December, it's going to be a beautiful winter season. Yes, it's going to be cold, but you're going to get to experience a lot of different unique things. You're not going to be there really with the tourists, so you're almost going to kind of experience it like a local. They have the traditional Christmas markets at that time, which is something uniquely European. And who doesn't want to spend time and winter in the French Alps? So there is lots of stuff to do in France in December, and I think a really solid time to go. Yeah, that's actually where we spent part of our honeymoon. We went on a Danny River cruise, and then we spent a week in France. France was amazing. Jamal and I really love mountain towns and the French Alps in Chamonix. Perfect place to visit for that experience. Yeah, yeah. Chamonix is almost like the equivalent of what an Aspen or Breckenridge or Vale or something to that effect. It's somewhere famous within Europe where people go to go skiing. It's tucked in the corner. It's still within France. It's at the foot of Mont Blanc, which is the tallest mountain in the Alps itself. But when you take the gondolas to the top, you're overlooking into Italy. You can actually ski or snowboard directly into it from the top of Mont Blanc. And then you're looking into Switzerland. And on a clear day, you could even see as far as the Matterhorn. So, I mean, it just gives you amazing views of the Chamonix Valley at the top, literally the top of the Alps, and all the amazing things that you can do in France, let alone Paris. I mean, Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, Arc de Triomphe. So many different things. Disneyland. Yes, we did Disneyland Paris also. But (laughs) France in December, really good time. Recommend just be sure to brave the cold. But I think it gives you a unique experience all around that most people who go to Paris, if they do it during spring or summer, don't really get to see. I'm excited to go to Paris. Might have to be 2025, but I'll make my way there. Oh my gosh. And this year during Christmas, as we were putting up our tree, our Paris ornament broke. So we're definitely going to have to go back and pick up another Paris ornament. And that Paris ornament, I actually picked up at one of those Christmas markets that I was talking about. Brittany handed it to me and then I fumbled it in my hands. And that's the first ornament that we've gotten from our travels that is actually broke. And uh, quite literally, it slipped through my hands. So sat on that. So another reason to go back so we could get that Paris ornament. All right, there you go, squaddies. You have a full year of travel. Have fun out there. Now it is my favorite time of the week. Questions of the week. Yeah. This question is coming in on Instagram. Kim wrote it and said, I'm from Pennsylvania, so I do a lot of mid-Atlantic slash Midwestern travel, and I'd say maybe 50% of big six-plus stall bathrooms have toilet seat covers. Are they super common elsewhere? Great question, Kim. Well, if you're traveling internationally, I would say they're not that common at all. But here in the U.S., I would say on the western side of the states, they are more common. Yeah. West Coast, best coast, we use toilet seat covers. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so she's saying like half of the bathrooms that have at least six stalls will have the, yeah wait that's uh, the way i understand the question mid-atlantic midwestern only with six plus bathrooms maybe have them one bathroom two bathroom three bathroom four bathroom nope but once you get six plus, 50% have them. <laughs> but yeah, I guess West Coast, Best Coast, they are over here. I feel like every place has them, but it's one of those things you go internationally, hit or miss. And that's why I'm excited about that bathroom episode that I was talking about earlier. We're going to talk about it all. Some places don't even have toilet seats. It'll be the bowl. <laughs> It'll be the bowl. Yes, not a squatty toilet, but you still got to squat because there's no yeah. seats. So you don't even need the toilet seat covers, <laughs> do you, at that point in time? I remember when we were in Chicago, you and Zana kept saying, there are no toilet seat covers anywhere. Like, yeah. But I feel like it's very, very common here in California and on the West Coast. I was just in Tennessee, Nashville, Gatlinburg, and I would say about 50% had toilet seat covers. 50% out there. Even in the single stalls, though. There you go. (laughs) We're hovering around 90 to 100 out here, though. (laughs) Yes, yes. So another question that came into us, it came in anonymously. It reads, for international trips, is it better to go with a hotel or an Airbnb? And, you know, this is a really good question, but I really think it depends on where you're going internationally and how long you're going to be there and what you plan to do while you're there and what you plan to spend and what you plan to spend. So that all is taken into consideration. You know, if we're going to be in one area for a long time, like for a full week, for example, I'd probably go with an Airbnb because it's nice to have a home cooked meal every once in a while and not eat out at every meal. But if we're going to be, you know, going to France and going to several cities and changing the location every two to three days, I may opt for a hotel some of the time because you're just on the run. I would also say personally for me, I would first look at hotels and if the prices are okay, I would normally go there. If they're not, then I do go to Airbnb and that's what I did in Italy and everything was fine with the places. It was just more difficult to get into the place. My phone doesn't work or maybe unreliable phone service is an issue. Getting in contact with the Airbnb owner to say you're there and you're ready to get in. A lot of Airbnbs will have different codes on the door that you can punch in with, but some of them, at least in my international experience, they have to meet you there and let you in. So when I showed up in Rome, there was an issue there and ended up just like sitting on the doorstep for like an hour waiting for them. And that or like an hour before check-in, they'll send you those final instructions on how to right. get in, whatever you don't even the have code the is. Right. And mm-hmm. so maybe if you don't have internet service, it makes it more difficult. So I think a lot of factors go into that. And I don't think we could really give a definitive question. As good a question as it is, I think it just truly depends on the circumstance. And do your research. Yeah. And I know this isn't internationally, but in May, we're actually going to Savannah. Georgia and there are a lot more Airbnb options in the downtown Savannah area and there's not really a lot of hotel options in the downtown area all of the hotel options are on the outskirts of downtown so that's just you know one other thing to consider yes do your research and look around make the best decision for you squaddies thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode keep the adventures going with us be sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast and tag us in your adventures with those questions of the week If you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. And as always, guys, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episodes. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, Bye, squaddies. Bye.